Well, welcome. Good morning. My name is uh, Joseph. We haven't had the chance to meet yet. I'm a pastor and uh, resident here at uh, the Christ Community Campus. And so it's just good, good to be with you. If you are brand new today, a special welcome to you. I hope that you experience uh, being loved by this community and get to experience the presence of the Lord. Um, if you are brand new, brand new, just so you know that we have a newcomer coffee today during second service. So you being here first service, you get, you get to be here for this. And if you'd like, you can come to the second service. There will be meeting in the children's ministry area. There will be uh, some coffee and some muffins and those things. And uh, that will be to just get to know the church better. Um, and so our ministry assistant, Carolyn, is going to be leading that. Um, as always, there are prayer cards in front of you. And you can go ahead and fill those out and put them in the offering box in the back. And as a staff, we, we pray for our church and want to pray specifically for the concerns that, that you have. Um, also in the back, uh, there is the offering box in which you can give your tithes. And, and just uh, I want to give an update um, on what some of our money goes to uh, when we do give. Um, as you guys know, there's been a lot going on in our world, particularly in the Middle East and Afghanistan, but also in Haiti. And something that our church does is we, we set aside funds in a time like this to uh, be able to give to ministry partners. And so we actually have at our Leewood campus a ministry partner in the Middle East. And so this week we were able to give them $5,000 to help them as they take care of refugees. Uh, we also have given $5,000 to Reach Global, which is the EFCA uh, missions organization that is helping with refugees right now. And then also we're able to give $1,000 to another ministry partner, um, Global or Orphan Project, that is helping in Haiti with the natural disaster there. So thank you for your generosity. That makes that possible. Um, I'm glad to be at a church that's able to help um, other people in the time of crisis. Um, I, I have a couple of announcements on, on top of that. Uh, we're kind of just in a season at the beginning of fall where there's just a lot of announcements. So I'm, I'm sorry about that in advance. Um, so the, the first is we, we sent out an, an all-campus email uh, this Friday regarding a COVID update, what, what we're doing as a church. And so uh, you can read that email. I'm not going to give all the details uh, from that, but, but just to, to acknowledge what the main things what that email said, uh, you know, we don't have any mass requirement in any uh, location of our church. However, we are strongly encouraging uh, our children's ministries, children and volunteers to, to start wearing masks. Um, primarily, that's just to stay consistent uh, with, with what we've tried to do as a church regarding uh, caring for particularly those in our community who are vulnerable, have underlying conditions. And we have families in our church with children who have that um, and still don't have access to vaccines. And so uh, that's one reason. And then just in the midst of that, my encouragement is just to continue to have charity towards one another in this time, um, not being suspicious of one another, seeking to understand one another and assuming the best of one another. And so that's, that's that update. Um, the other thing is if you are a member of our church, there's not too many things that you have to go to, but we do have a congregational meeting uh, September 12th. So that's going to be at 7 p.m. I don't know if you, I, th I think that's the first day the Chiefs play season, season opener, I think. It's after that, okay? So you can come to it. Um, we, we plan that intentionally. And, you know, we don't, there's not a whole lot to being a member of things you have to go to except this. And I just really uh, encourage you, if you are a member, that, that's something you should be at. Um, and so there's a packet in the, 
on the other side of this uh, wall, on the hello wall, for you to grab this packet. It has details about the financial update. We vote on elders. We vote on the finance budget. So that's September 12th. Uh, come to that if you are a member. Uh, and then finally, last announcement. Um, community groups are launching uh, September 19th. And so uh, if you are not in a community group or trying to change groups or whatever, uh, please send me an email or we're going to have Heidi and Paul Torn outside of service today. You can talk with them about that, joining a group. Or if, we're asking that people try to sign up or contact us by September 5th to help figure out the puzzle pieces of getting people into groups. All right, so community groups are launching. All right, that's it with that. We can go now into uh, our text. So our, our sermon today will be coming out of John chapter 14, verses 16 through 17, and chapter 16, 5 through 15. So uh, let us stand now to hear the reading of God's word. Hear now the word of the Lord. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. But now on, I'm going to him who sent me and none of you asks, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears... He will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Uh, let's pray. And, and as I pray, I'm just going to give some space uh, a little bit before I actually start saying any words. So we'll just close our eyes and, and just take a chance uh, to just be silent before the Lord. Father, we just thank you for the Holy Spirit, that we get to have him, that you tell us that he abides with us and in us, that we have God in our midst. And I pray, Lord, that that would become more and more real to us, that you'd increase our ability to understand and experience the fact that you, God, by your Spirit, are with us.
So help us by the words of, of this text, by my words, for us to believe that and to receive that. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, there's kind of been a reevaluation re starting in the 1950s about what the basic human instinct is. Right? So I don't know if you go back in your mind to like fifth or sixth grade science, like you're taught about what human instincts, the, some of our basic ones are. The thing that comes to my mind is uh, an instinct based on danger. When we face danger, right, we think of flight or flight. These are our two responses. Uh, maybe, maybe it's just my millennial mind, but my mind goes to the videos of like someone popping out of a trash can on, on his buddy, and it's, you know his buddy punches him in the face. Like the, that, that's that's a response in the midst of danger, fight, flight, and it's developed into uh, freeze. These different responses, but in the 1950s, uh, some scientists started to study human behavior at its most fundamental level, actually coming out of the womb. And that's led into the uh, prominent field called attachment theory, which uh, is dominant in counseling practice and in psychology. And what has been discovered is, is actually our, our most fundamental instinct from coming out of the womb is actually to reach. That an infant coming out of the womb reaches for his or her mother. Right? The most fundamental instinct is that connection with someone to be safe, to be in someone's arms, a baby to experience the warmth of its mother. And so what, what they've learned is that, that we all are people who need to be loved, to know that we are capable of being loved. There's people who actually love us and people who are able to receive our love for them. But to, to put that in its inverse, that also means we have a fundamental fear, which is being abandoned being left alone. And again, maybe going back to our teenage minds, we see this in, in our teenagers, right? The fundamental fear is being alone. It's all about fitting in, right? Being with the crowd. But we also know the pains of being alone, being alone in a marriage, being alone in pain, being alone in danger. And Jesus, Jesus knows this, right? I mean, he knows it himself being a human, right? He cries out even on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's experienced abandonment, but he also is, uh, has his disciples and his friends. Also, all people have been created through him. Think, think through Genesis 2, right? The man is made, and it's not good for him to be alone. It's in our DNA to be with others, to be connected. And so, undoubtedly, this is on the forefront of Jesus' mind when we come into this passage today in John 14 and 16. It's his final words. This is last night with his disciples, and he's telling them, I'm leaving you, which in a very, very real sense, they experience as Jesus is abandoning them. And so he's going to speak to them in that instance about the Holy Spirit. And here's, here's the nice thing for us. We don't have to do any historical context to enter into that situation because we know what it's like to not have Jesus with us in the flesh. And he's not here in the flesh. And man, wouldn't it be nice if he was? <laughs> and so his word for us today about, this, about the Holy Spirit is addressing that reality. And so the, the, the sermon today really asks two questions uh, from the text, which is, one, why do we need the Holy Spirit? And two, why is it better to have the Spirit than to have Jesus in the flesh? Right? Jesus says that, and that, that just kind of sounds crazy. Uh, so that's, those are our two questions. That's our outline. And we'll begin with the first. Why do we need, why do we need the Holy Spirit? And I want to just direct us 
right in to verse 16 and unpack it slowly. Jesus says in, in chapter 14, verse 16, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. So it begins, Jesus saying, I will ask the Father. When, when Jesus talks about the coming of the Spirit, it's talked about in multiple ways. The Spirit proceeds for the Father, that Jesus sends the Spirit. But here, we have Jesus saying that the initiation of the Spirit coming is the fact that he has asked the Father. In other words, the reason why the Spirit comes according to this passage is because Jesus is trying to care for us. It's the very, very heart of Jesus to comfort us, to send someone like him. Right? Think of a parent or parents going out on a date night. Right? You don't just leave your kid by themselves. Right? You get a babysitter or you go on a trip. Right? You get a babysitter, not just any babysitter, but someone you trust. Because right? these are the kids that you love. You don't just leave them alone. Right? It, in other words, the coming of the Spirit is first starting in Jesus' gracious heart and love towards us. But I want to I want to key in on, on a particular word. He says, I will ask the Father, right? So it's out of Jesus' comfort and love for us. He says, I will give you another helper. I'm gonna focus in on that word, another. Alright, so so in in Greek, like any language, there are words that have overlapping meanings but different nuances. So say, for example, uh, I ask my wife or I tell my wife, like, I, I would like to go to a steakhouse, right? She would probably tell me, I'd like to go to another place because she doesn't like steak, which is her only flaw. Um, <laughs> but she'd want to go to another place. And when she says another place, she means something of a different kind. Like she'd rather go get a place where she can get chicken, you know, something like that. So another as in something different. Or, or, or to put it in a different scenario, say I'm at a baseball game and there's a pitcher and I say, man, they really need to put in another pitcher. Well, what I'm saying there is they, they need to put in another pitcher who is, who is of the same kind, right? Another one like the pitcher who's received the training as a pitcher, who plays the position of pitcher. So there's another of a different kind and another of the same kind. And in the Greek, there's two words that mean another of a different kind and another of the same kind. And Jesus uses the word that means another of the same kind here. And this is really significant because that means that, that the spirit who is coming is a spirit who is like Jesus. He's a spirit who is going to have the same heart as Jesus. He's going to operate with the same concerns. That the spirit is coming in the way of Jesus to care, comfort, love the disciples. There's a great quote from this Puritan uh, named Thomas Goodwin in reference to the heart of God as it relates to what is being revealed in the Son. It says, The Son, being manifest in the flesh, expresses and utters, but what is written in the heart of all three, that is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So what we see in Jesus, we are getting in the Spirit. It's another like Jesus. But it's not just of the same heart as Jesus. It's another in the same essence, that, that this Jesus himself, right, being divine, being God, the Spirit as well, is divine is God. And if you get one person of the Trinity, then you get all three. All right? You get the Spirit, you're getting the Father and the Son. And so Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm sending one who, who has my heart and who's going to give you me and the Father and his own self, the Spirit. 
But then he calls this spirit the paraclete, or the helper, at least in terms of my Bible. Uh, So in my Bible, it says the helper, the NASB, but some of your Bibles might say the comforter, the encourager, uh, the advocate as an illegal advocate, the mediator, right? And this is one of the problems of, of translating any language that some, some words are just unique to a particular language. There's not, there's not a good word to communicate all that this word means in the Greek, parakletos. So for example, in a Central African language, the word helper literally means the one who falls down beside which images an individual who, upon finding a person collapsed in the road, kneels down, picks up the victim, cares for his needs, and carries him to safety. Right? That, that's a little closer to the idea. But I think a good word that actually the message uses to paraphrase this passage is friend. A good word is just friend. And actually, Tim Keller, in his, in, in, uh, in his work on this, calls the Spirit the ultimate friend. That, that, that's what Jesus is getting at, that he's sending us a friend, some who's, someone who's going to be like Jesus. So that's, but initially, that's our answer to the question, why do we need the Spirit? It's, it's because we need a friend. And it's not just, a, it's not just any kind of friends. As we saw, it's a friend who will be Jesus to us. Right? He is like Jesus. He has his heart. But not only that, the Spirit, as it says in John 16, is, is, his primary interest is in glorifying Jesus. That, that when the Spirit comes, his primary work is, is to give us Jesus, to point us to Jesus, to lead us to Jesus. He will be Jesus to us. He will comfort us. He will speak on our behalf as Jesus would. So we need a friend, but not just any kind of friend, a friend like Jesus. But we need a friend also who is a friend that will always be with us. A friend who is always with us. The rest of that verse says in verse 16, that he may be with you forever. That's a a temporal word, right? He's a friend that that will never leave, right? There's no fear of abandonment with this friend. There's no future time where he will not be with you. It will be into all ages. It will be forever, Right? I mean, think, think about having a high school friend. Like, that, that's a long time ago. There's separation that comes from that friendship, but, but, but not so here. It's going to be so close. He, he will be with you as a friend forever, but it's not just temporal. It is spatial. Verse 17, at the end of it, he says, You will know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Right? So if any of you have ever... Uh, moved away from your family or even dated long distance, you, you know that distance affects the, the experience of closeness. That, that's not what it's like with the Spirit. He, he literally is in you. He's, a, he's with you in, in all things. But not just that, right? It's not just atemporal or transpatial, this, this kind of friend he is. It's also one of mutual knowing. He says in verse 17 that the world doesn't know him because they don't see him. But you know him. Right? In order for there to be a friendship, there needs to be mutual knowing. This is why you don't have a friendship with your counselor, right? Because your counselor knows everything about you, but you know nothing about your counselor, right? That's, that's how that's supposed to be. But, that, but that's not like a, a mutual friendship, but not, but not with the spirit. Because he's always with you, you know him. And he knows you. He's with you in all things. And I want to kind of let this 
kind of marinate for us because this is really, this is really significant. This has profound impact on, on our lives. And so I want to share uh, a little bit of how, how that's played out in my life. So in the past five years of my life, it's, I've basically lived in constant transition. I've lived in two different, or I've lived in three different states. I've lived in seven different homes or apartments. I've worked five different jobs, lived in, with different roommates on my own. I'm now married. I've been at three different churches, right? And the only thing that has stayed the same in all of this is that my car still doesn't have any rims. Um, so that's the one constant of my life is my, my bad car. Um, but in the midst of all that transition, people, people always want to ask, well, like, how are you doing? Which is a great question, but sometimes it's really life-giving to answer that. And other times it's like, I don't want to go through my life story right now. I don't, that, that, that is exhausting to, to say that. And so I even think back in, in the past major season of transition of, of getting married, it was, it was a crazy time. Work was crazy. I was moving, helping my wife move he, here from Denver. We uh, moved into a, a new apartment. So, and we're trying to put on a wedding. Okay, so really busy. And I remember just coming home one day. And I just sat before the Lord and said nothing because nothing needed to be said. I I didn't have to explain how I was feeling. I didn't have to be asked any questions. I I didn't have to formulate, like, how am I feeling about it? It was like, no, he knows. I I don't don't have to say a word. Like, I just just sat before the Lord being known. And that's that's what we get with the Spirit is, is he knows we can just sit before him being known. But I, but I want to keep, keep pressing even, even, different, uh, even, even deeper here. What, what is the significance of having the Spirit as an ever-present friend? And I think I want to press the idea of pain because I think pain is, is one of the loneliest experiences we have. As you think of physical pain, especially chronic pain, like, like you think of someone who, who chronically has headaches, like the... It, they can't constantly explain or always tell people, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm having this headache. And, and they can't even fully explain what it's like to live in, in a body that, that feels like it's working against him or her the whole time. And yet, yet the, the spirit understands. The spirit's in you. Or even emotional pain. Right? Words can never fully describe emotional pain. But, but even if it could, it's not that other, the other person is necessarily feeling it with you. But the Spirit's with you in it. He knows. He understands. He's in you. He's grieved by the things that grieve you. Or, or even traumatizing events that happen, especially if it happens just to you. Right? That's totally, traumatizing events are totally isolating. Or, or even like a married couple, they can experience a traumatizing event, but then loneliness happens afterwards, right? A, a married couple loses a child, and they process it differently. And that leads to further isolation, right? No person is always with us in every pain and sorrow. No one is always there for all those moments, but, but the Spirit is. He understands. He's in us. He doesn't ever abandon us. He's with us always. That's, that's unlike anything else. There's, we're never alone. There's this uh, show called Ted Lasso, you know, based off an SNL sketch, and uh, it's a comedy. Basically, a, a football, American football coach goes to the UK to coach a soccer team. Obviously, knows nothing about uh, UK football, um, 
But there's this, there's this scene at the end of an episode. They, they've been leading up to this big game, and, and they lose. And he has this profound statement, this coach. He says this, there's something uh, worse out there than being sad. It's being alone and sad. And with the Spirit, you're never alone. He's the friend who always fully understands, who's always ready to share himself, and is always with you. He's a friend like no other. So this is who this Spirit friend is, but he's not just present in all things. He's also a truth teller. That's what Jesus calls him. In verse 17, he says, the spirit of truth. So we need, we need a friend, but not just any friend, a friend who tells us the truth. And this refrain kind of happens over and over about what the spirit does. So verse 26, it says, he will teach you regarding the spirit all things and bring you, bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. And then later in, verse, uh, in chapter 16, verse 13, he says, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes... He will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. So it's first to just recognize what kind of truth that that the Spirit is telling. It's truth regarding the words of Jesus, that he's going to illuminate the words of Jesus. He's going to illuminate the person of Jesus, that he only speaks what he hears from Jesus. That's what the Spirit does. He communicates what's been communicated to him. And of course, Jesus, right, being, being the word, being the logos, being the organizing principle of all things, right, he contains all truth, so it's not limited in scope, but it's limited in, in person, that, that we're getting the truth that belongs to Jesus through the Spirit. But it's not just what he communicates, it's how he communicates it. But I'm, I'm telling you true things now, but, but they're external. When, when the Spirit speaks, he speaks it internally. Right? He speaks it into our inner person into our soul, into our inner spirit. It's actually a speaking of truth that, that is transformative. Have you ever uh, spoken with someone who maybe was in like private Christian school when they were young or, or grew up going to church but weren't Christians and then became Christians later in life? A lot of times you'll hear them say, man, I started reading the Bible again and all of a sudden it started impacting me. It started making sense. For the first time the gospel meant something. It was addressing my life. Right? That, that's not just because they became better readers, have better reading comprehension. No, that's because the spirit of truth is speaking to them in a u- unique internal way. That's, that's, what the, that's what the spirit does. He speaks truth in a profound internal way. And because it is internal, with it comes internal conviction. This is what Jesus says regarding the spirit. He says, and he, when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. What John, or what Jesus is saying here is that the Spirit is going to convict the world because they don't believe in Jesus. That the righteousness of the world is nothing and is exposed because Jesus has died and risen and, and, and reigns. And that is true righteousness. And that the ruler of this world, the justice in this world, is, is shown to be phony because the ruler of this world has been condemned. And he says he's going to do that internal work of convicting and bringing that to light in our own hearts. But here's, here's what conviction doesn't sound like. 
If you've ever heard these phrases in your head as you've sinned or done things wrong, I'll tell you, this is, this is not what conviction sounds like. You idiot. You should have never done that. Or how dumb could you be? Or you will never be able to quit doing that. God couldn't forgive this. You should be embarrassed of yourself. You should never tell anyone about this, right? That, that is not the voice of the Spirit. That is the voice of Satan, the accuser. When the Spirit convicts, when he leads us into truth, however that comes, in some form, it's a message of return to the Lord. You read the prophets, the New Testament, Romans. It's the kindness of the Lord that leads to repentance. It's always a turning back to the Lord. Come to me, obey me. Is a drawing back to God himself. So that, that, that's what the Spirit does. That's who the Spirit is. That's why we need him. We need this friend who's going to always be with us, who's going to give us Jesus, who also is going to lead us into all truth. But I want to I step back for a moment and kind of have just like a little meta-reflection about these things that I'm saying here. Because for some of you here, the idea of the Spirit being this always-present friend at best is cute and at worst is cruel. Because for you, if you're like me, you have experienced pain and isolation and times when, man, I, the, the friendship of the Spirit feels pretty hidden. And so to, to say that the Spirit's always there, it's like, well, what, what do we do with that? Right? Especially even praying, Lord, would it make it known to me that you are in me and with me and feeling like we, we hear silence? You know, I have friends who you know, I'll talk to and they're, they're just like always weeping because of the presence of the Lord in their life. I'm like, that's amazing. I love that for you. But that's, that's not me. What is, so what do we do with that? This, this whole idea with the Spirit as, as a friend. Well, first we have to recognize that that the Spirit having, being our friend means that as a friend, he has his own desires and will for us that might not be the same as our own. And the process of waiting to hear or to experience a friendly word for him is actually one of self-emptying, of letting go of the expectation that God should reveal or should act or should say something at this time, say this particular thing to me, and instead... As, as uh, this guy, St. John of the Cross, famously said, we learn to love God as he desires to be loved. But when we do receive that friendly word from the Spirit, the, I love you, the, here's how I'm clearly with you, the, here's how I'm using this pain, then we hold on to that. We treasure that in, in our heart as a constant word and reminder in every season that the Spirit of God is a friend who is always with me. So that's who the Spirit is. That's why we need the Spirit. But I don't know if that still like, resolves it's better to have the Spirit than to have Jesus in the flesh with us, right? I mean, I think about, man, it would be way better if Jesus was here preaching the sermon. <laughs> Uh, you could, we can all agree to that. That would be way more awesome uh, in this moment. So I want to move to that next question, and, and it'll be a little quicker. Why is it better to have the Spirit than to have Jesus in the flesh? Right? That's what Jesus said. He says, it's to your advantage that I go. 
So let me give you the answer that isn't going to make sense, and then I'm going to explain it. The answer is this, is that, is that Jesus' divine exit means or equals the Spirit's divine invitation. Right? Jesus' divine exit means the Spirit's divine invitation. And let me explain what that means. We have to begin by conceptualizing what, what is God most fundamentally? And a lot of times we think of God as creator, ruler, maybe powerful, which, are all, which is all true, but just to poke at one of them, right? If God is, is most fundamentally creator, then he's dependent on us, right? He had to have created things in order that to be his key identity. So, so that can't be it. And so if we were going to start actually with Jesus, start with how he reveals God, we would find out that God most fundamentally is Father. He's Father who has a Son who he loves and that there's a Spirit. In other words, God most fundamentally is, is a triune God. This is what Jesus says in John 17. He says, You, Father, have loved me before the foundation of the world. In other words, before God was doing anything... He was loving the Son. Like, that's most fundamentally who God is, is existing as a trinity. Three persons, one essence, loving one another. And everything that God does comes out of that inner, intra-Trinitarian love. So 1 John 4, 8, that's why he says God is love. That is most fundamentally who God is. And that explains everything that he does. So even when we think about creation... Right, he created, in terms of Colossians 1, it says, for Jesus. He created all things in and through and for the Son. Or as John explains it in John 17, Jesus says, I have, I've manifested, Father, your name to the men who you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. In other words, he's saying the disciples, and beyond that, his people, is a love gift from the Father. That the fact that we are followers of Jesus is actually a love gift from the Father to the Son, out of love for the Son. Or why did Jesus die on the cross for our sins, my sins, right? A lot of times we th- our initial answer is because he loved us, which is, is true. But Jesus says in John 14, 31, he says this, So that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. This is in context of Jesus about to go to the cross. Jesus says, I've, I'm doing these things actually so that everyone knows how much I love the Father. Right? In other words, God's creation, salvation, and renewing of the world is all part of this inner Trinitarian love that, that, that we're caught up in. But here's, here's where this gets amazing. Is that we aren't just like passive agents in this. Like being passed around in this love triangle. We're invited to participate in it. I'm going to list off verses from the Gospel of John that make this so abundantly clear. The love of the Father must be shared. John 17, 23 says, Jesus is praying, make them one. Why? So that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. Yet the Father loves you as he loves his one and only Son. The love of the Son must be shared. John 15, 9. Just as the Father has loved me, he says, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. The Father's love is in the Son, and that love is towards you. You're sharing in the very love of God. The deep Father-Son knowledge is to be shared. Right? They've been with each other before creation. This is John 10. He says, I know my own, and my own know me. 
even as the Father knows me and I know the Father. We are invited to love the Son as He loves the Father. This is John 15, 10. There should, should be a slide for these verses. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. You see what's happening here? God is inviting us into the, the very life of God, the very love, the very knowledge of God. And that's exactly what the role of the Spirit is, is to apply and invite us into this love. So let us end here looking back at our very passage in John 16. He says, I must go, and it is for your advantage that I go. Why? Because I have more things to say to you, verse 12. But you cannot bear them now. What are these more things? Well, it's, the, it's these things that I've just expressed But it's also the disciples have no idea what's going on, that he's going to die, that he's going to rise again. They haven't fully grasped that he is the second person of God. They they haven't grasped all these things. He's saying the Spirit is going to come, and he's going to make these things clear to you. And he says this in verses 15, 14 through 15 in chapter 16. He says, of the Spirit, he will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes a mind and will disclose it to you. He says the Spirit's job is to make known, to make accessible all things that belong to Jesus. And he says, oh, and FYI, everything that belongs to me are all the things that the Father has. In other words, the Spirit is coming to give us access to the mysteries, to the wonders, to the love To everything that makes God God, he says the Spirit is coming to disclose and make this accessible to you. You get to take part in the very life of God. To me, there's 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 simply no greater wonder. There's no greater truth that that we get to take part in this this big story, this big God, his his big love. Why, Why do we need the Spirit? Because we need this friend who's unlike any other who invites us into the very life of God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank you that you send us your spirit, that he has your very heart, that he is a friend like you, that that he is here among us to glorify you, the Son. I thank you that, that he invites us to participate in, in your love which existed before the foundation of this world. And for us, Lord, who are in the midst of, of pain, of abandonment, of being alone, God, would you, would you send your spirit that he would be a near, a near friend. We love you, Lord, and thank you for all these things. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.